Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, On this episode of Cinema Super Collider, we take a look at the 1986 film From Beyond, a reimagining of an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yes, by the famous director Stuart Gordon, who is a super fascinating fellow I found out doing research. And if you don't recognize the name From Beyond, you probably recognize Reanimator, which is the movie that they made the year before they made From Beyond. Yeah, Reanimator is kind of like a cult classic and we thought about doing it for the show but it's so kind of well known at this point that i feel like for us to do something on reanimator is kind of like that would be for us to do like the texas chainsaw massacre you know every everybody knows it every everything that you can say about it has already been said from beyond is pretty cool it's kind of a it's not as maybe not as crazy of a movie but it's a better made movie and people don't kind of don't know about it i'd like to say well, it's interesting because Stuart Gordon was very, I mean, and Eric will go into detail about this, but he he had a beginning uh, in the theater tradition. And so he kind of took that into his filmmaking as well and used the same cast for a lot of the films that he made. He made Reanimator and From Beyond and then also a movie called Castle Freak. It's a weird movie. movie. See, now, Reanimator, I think, is more of a comedy a, like a comedy horror movie. It's, it's a more, black comedy. It's I think. more comedy than horror. This one is more of a straight horror movie with a few kind of funny bits in it, and and you know just weird, you know very weird moments. I think it's really a, a pretty faithful adaptation of a Lovecraft story. It's more weird and more unhinged than it is, I would say, anything else. I think the Lovecraft story, the actual source material is covered almost completely in the pre-credit sequence when they turn on the resonator and the one guy gets his head ripped off and Jeffrey Combs gets bitten in the face and then he goes to the madhouse and he's raving about the things beyond. I mean, and I think that's the, the, that's the, full the story. story. And to be fair, that's most Lovecraft stories. It's like somebody does something they shouldn't do and touches some entity from another world or another existence and then the just the the existence of the weird alien cthulhu-esque creature makes you go insane and and unable to live within the the realms of reality anymore yeah that's classic lovecraft right it's just gazing upon like madness the the great cthulhu's castle will drive you mad because of its impossible geometry or whatever you know there's a a lot of that stuff it's like it's you can you can't even describe these creatures because they're so beyond there's a color out of space right a color oh that's a good one color out of color out of space yeah there's a there's a a squid monster that lives at the bottom of the ocean who's asleep and you don't want to wake him up (laughs) there's a whole town that's turning into fish people why? Yeah. Because. Well, Stuart Gordon, I think, made Dagon. He did which make. Is another, I, think, uh, I think that was later, though. I think yeah. That was. Well, it's not that great of a movie, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, maybe we'll do it for the show or something, but it's it, it it's probably interesting for people who are interested uh, specifically in H.P. Lovecraft. From but, what I remember, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, most yeah, most H.P. Lovecraft good. things are kind of depressing because it's like, oh, no one wins. Yeah. Except madness. Well, like, sh- like if you want to talk about the fish people, Shadow over Innsmouth, to me, is the ultimate fish people, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft movie. 
or H.P. Lovecraft's story, I should right. say. Yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure that there's some film ab- adaptations. I've of seen that. a film adaptation of that, and I don't recall a whole lot of there's it. There's many video games that are, <laughs> are based in Lovecraft. There's a lot of board games that are based in Lovecraft. Yes, yes. And this movie is based in Lovecraft, but this movie takes it a little bit in a different direction. So you wind up. Well, you let's we'll summarize. Right. Let's sure. summarize. What the story. Ha- so, Eric, what happens in From Beyond? Well, Jeffrey Combs plays. Uh, I can't remember. He's not Doctor West in this one. He's Doctor Something. But he works with a guy named Doctor Pretorius, and they're working on this machine called the Resonator. And the Resonator, when you turn it up, will stimulate the pineal gland in your brain, and it will allow you to see through into some other dimension that exists superimposed on our dimension and that somehow that opens a gate to this dimension full of swimming eel monsters yes right that happens dr pretorius is attacked by one of these monsters and has his head bitten off jeffrey combs doctor whoever gets bitten in the face and comes running out of the house you know where they were doing this experiment and then gets locked away for being a madman and he's raving in this insane asylum about All these creatures, they're just from beyond. They're going to kill you. Now, we introduce hotshot young psychiatrist Barbara Crampton. Right. Right? She is going there to see about this guy because her idea is they see a brain scan of this guy. And she says, well, maybe everybody who's schizophrenic is not having something going wrong with their brain. Maybe they're in tune with this other dimension. Maybe there's something to this experiment that they were doing. So I want to take him, Dr. Uh, what's his name? Which, uh, which uh, one? Uh, Jeffrey Combs. So Jeffrey Combs' character isn't actually a doctor. I oh. believe he's a grad student because he is, he's one of the few people in, in the cast of characters that does not have doctor in front of his name. Oh. His name is Crawford Tillinghast. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. I, I, we watched the whole. I've seen this movie at least three or four so, times. So we have many. We have many doctors. We have Doctor Catherine McMichael's, which okay. is that's Barbara Barbara's, Crampton's Barbara character. Crampton, right? We have Doctor Pretorius. That's the the. I remember Doctor Pretorius because it sounds like the Praetorian Guard, so it's like easy to remember. Sure, Pretorius, and, and he's like the he's the spiciest of the doctors, really, because he's well, he's the original Mad Doctor. He's the original Mad and Doctor. Jeffrey Combs was like his assistant, mm-hmm. his, his helper, his Igor. Right? Yeah, his yeah. Igor. Right. We have Doctor Block, who is the woman at the mental institution. Right, she's who, the psychiat- the older psychiatrist lady who's opposed. She's got no time for this bullshit. This hot right. young, this hot young Catherine McMichael's. She's into like new experimental procedures and fuck all that because we don't do that. Oh yes, but of course she's not hot because her hair is up and she has big glasses on and like a, a puffy shirt with uh, uh, shoulder pads. That is true. But she's. A hot shot, young doctor. But, you know, it's Barbara Crampton, so we get to see her in a leather bikini later, a bondage outfit later on. Yes. So, so that's our yeah. trio of doctors. That's it, Pretorius, yeah. McMichaels, and Block. Crawford Tillinghast is not a doctor yet, but I believe he's going to Miskatonic University because we do see him in Miskatonic oh, yeah, Misca- uni- yeah. University t-shirts throughout the in- entirety of the movie. Right, right. Yeah, in um, Reanimator, he's at, like, Miskatonic Medical School breaking pencils while the doctor tells him that oh the brain can't live more than six minutes and he's snapping pencils why do you tell these students the wrong thing he's very intense in reanimator he's and he's intense in this one too and he acts his ass off and so does barbara crampton so so uh, he's really the center of reanimator herbert west oh absolutely 100 percent. because it's it and you know it's a retelling of partially a, a lovecraft story but it also is is Kind of a Frankenstein story Very much, here, yeah. And so you get sort of a crossover between those two. He's just—he's so dead set on creating life from where there is no life, and doing these experiments which are beyond the pale. Uh, in fact, I, a million billion years ago, I worked in a medical school, and one of the medical ethics professors, uh, rather than you know having his students sit through dry lectures about ethics and ethical you know conundrums. He actually introduced a lot of pop culture things into the curriculum. And one of the things that he had the medical students watch was Reanimator, which always wow, made me laugh. that's really hip. It always that's made really me hip. laugh. Yeah, no. Where I went to medical school, they did not 
show reanimator. Yeah. Well, you know. Maybe, you know, it might have been good for some of the, stu- you know, I I had already seen Reanimated by that point, so I, you know, I I could have skipped that class. That's true. Although well, that probably would have been the most fun class I was I about to, to say, of all of the, the, the classes that I I was, you know, part, oh part of dealing with it at that particular institution, the ethics classes were, were probably the coolest. Right, the, right. The most attended, I'm sure. Yeah, pathology of like the lymph nodes is, you know, I, I, you know, that's probably more important, but I'd skip that to go see the uh, but what about reanimator the, class. What about the pineal gland, Eric? What can, as a doctor, what can you tell us about the pineal wow, gland? I wish I could tell you more about the pineal gland. I believe the pineal, <laughs> now see, I should have this up on, uh, on Wikipedia or something so I can speak from authority. But from what I understand, from what I can vaguely remember, I think the pineal gland is a, a, a relic of an early sort of monocular eye that uh, relates to our history as being worms or something like that. Uh, and it's it's a relic of that. And because of that, it has some sort of light-sensitive material in it. I want to say there's melanin in it, oh. like uh, in the substantia nigra in the brain that's uh, part of like what goes on with uh, Parkinson's disease is a breakdown of that. And the pineal gland is involved with that. And I think... Uh, at least at the point when I was in school, there there were a lot of sort of vague notions about what the pineal was for, but I think it, it had something to do with regulating sleep-wake cycle. I think it had something to do with melatonin, if I'm not... Uh, okay. And it's located in the brain. It's located deep, deep within the brain. In the deep, very, yeah. deep inside your brain. Right, deep, deep there inside There is a the gland brain. that no one knows what it is. Yeah. It just lives there. I'm sure they've done Waiting for... A resonator to come along. It's a tiny little thing on a little stalk. I can tell you that. Okay. It's also on a little stalk. There's little, few little weird things in your brain. There's like two little round bumps that are called mammillary bodies because they look like boobs. And then there's this. Uh, <laughs> there's deep, this, deep within your brain. There are, there are two little boobs. Uh, mammillary bodies, <laughs> and you know, and there's there's olfactory bulbs sticking out and all kinds of really cool stuff. Anyhow. Uh, it's this this pineal gland thing. So so doctor, what's what's her name? Doctor Tillinghast. No, 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 no. All right, Crawford Tillinghast is Jeffrey Combs. Oh, okay, right. He's the grad student. So perhaps. it's Doctor McMichaels. Doctor McMichaels. All right, I'm so, just going to call her Barbara Crampton because that's fine. I'm not going to remember Doctor McMichaels. It's not that hard, but sure. There's also one other guy, a police officer named Bubba. Bubba. Who's, he's played by the guy who's like the, the black guy who's the main guy in Dawn of the Dead. Yes, so the, the, the original Dawn of the yes, Dead. Yes, the one that is up on up on the roof taking pot shots at zombies. It's it's that actor. His name yeah, is Ken, Ken Foray. Ken Foray. Yeah. yeah. So okay, and he is ridiculously taller than than anybody else in this cast. And so every time they have like, eventually it's just him. Uh, Dr. McMichaels, a.k.a. Barbara Cranston, and Jeffrey Combs standing next to one another, and you're like, holy shit, he's like a foot and a half taller than the rest of them. So they're either right. very short, or he's very tall. He also sleeps in a Speedo. <laughs> he sleeps in a banana hammock, which, I mean, like... like a wet Speedo. <laughs> and yes, there's a moment in there's a moment in the movie where you're like, god damn, we can see every fucking inch of that. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. Okay. Right. He, he definitely was circumcised, you can tell by looking at that. So, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, so let's see what happens. So, uh, uh, Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs go back to visit the house uh, where right. all of this went down, along so, with Bubba. Right, right. because because there is a big there is a bit of a kerfuffle at the mental hospital. Uh, doctor Block, our traditional doctor, is like, no, I'm not going to release this very clearly mentally disturbed person so that you can do experiments on him. And Barbara Crampton's like, well, tough shit. I've convinced the police to let them, you know, release him into my custody. And so the first thing that she says to this very agitated man is, let's go back to the thing that made you all crazy. Come on, let's go. He's like, no, we must destroy the machine. It can never go on. And she's like, yeah, well, let's turn it on at least once so that I can see what happens. Right. So they go in there, they turn on the machine and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. That's the movie. Everybody gets horny, guys. That's okay. So two things happen. Two main things happen when you turn on the resonator. Thing number one is weird creatures suddenly become visible to you and are flying around. And if you allow them to, eventually will bite your head off. That's thing yeah. number one. Mm-hmm. Or just bite you in the cheek. That's or, what or, happens or, to yes, Jeffrey or, Combs. Or cheek bite you. Yeah. 
Thing number two is you get really horny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You get exceptionally horny. Like everybody's like instantly boner land. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the pineal gland is involved with sexual arousal in some way. I doesn't. Re- I don't recall that. But you I know, think that was. Ju- I think honestly that may have just been an excuse to at some point get Barbara Crampton in a leather bondage outfit. Right. Well, you see that that you see a, a little clip of a videotape where Doctor Pretorius, like what he did in his spare time when he wasn't working on the resonator, was. He had like some sort of bondage thing in his house. Like, uh, no, he had a whole fucking Fifty Shades of Grey bondage, bondage room. Bondage room in yeah. his house. He's Chains, a sex freak. Yes. Chains, whips, uh, you know, uh, uh, things to, to. Yeah, like St. Andrew's Cross. St. Andrew's, yes, yeah. that's what I was looking for. The St. Andrew's Cross. Right. And then just outfits, just like closet, like a wardrobe full of just, you know, bondage shit that like. If your friend didn't bring his own bondage bikini to your sex dungeon, he's got extras. There's yes. just, you know, there's a whole case full of them. Right. And and uh, Dr. I also must mention that Dr. Pretorius is a very hairy gentleman. It's a very, very hairy man. <laughs> he yes. Does, he appears nude through almost all of the movie. At least from the waist up. We see his butt, I think, at one point. There is, there is a very long exchange between Jeffrey Combs and Dr. Pretorius where we just see the naked back of Dr. Pretorius and his ass is just right there. Right. And and, and you know that uh, Jeffrey Combs is trying to keep his eyes up here. Yes. You know, and not, not be looking at his junk sticking out, whatever it is. Right. Anyhow. Anyhow, so so uh, craziness ensues, and uh, uh, you know a few people get away at the end, and a few people don't, and that's kind of the movie. I mean, it really it's like what happens in this scientist's house is like the story of the movie, and it's a bunch of weird encounters. Yes, with something from beyond. Right. Well, and I think the I think oh, and there's the- a little coda that happens in the hospital too with. Jeffrey Combs sucking people's eyeballs out of their head when it's like he's got like a penis that grows out of the middle of his forehead. We'll get to that. Well, yes, there's, there's, <laughs> we'll definitely, that. there's definitely a well, and and if I remember correctly from from reading some stuff that Barbara Cranston had said about the making the movie, the thing that comes out of his head, everybody on the crew had some sort of reference point for it, like, uh, but the one that people seemed to mostly say is like oh it's like a dog's penis or like a duck's penis or like a whatever's penis it's some it's a penis it's a penis well and the thing is is that at one at 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 sort of the climax of the movie barbara crampton bites it yes in order to free herself from the craziness that's going on Uh and she was like after listening to so many people describe it as so many different animals penises the the idea of putting it in my mouth and biting it just did not appeal to me at all. Well, I mean, Barbara, look, Barbara Crampton is a fucking beast. She is as brave as can be, and she gives her all mm-hmm. to this movie. In the first movie, she was kind of like a damsel in distress, and what was she like, the da- the dean's daughter she's, or something? That that weird creep had a thing for her. Yes, but she's kind of a secondary character in this. She's the main character, pretty, much. and she's like acting her ass off. She, and I mean, yes. she really is. And uh, I actually, I heard this uh, uh, commentary from someone at Red Letter Media where they said, you know, sometimes you see women doing like sexy things or nude things or something in a movie like this, and you kind of feel a little bad for them because it's kind of like, oh, you know, really? You know, it's like, oh, it's another one of these awful rape scenes. It's like, do we have to have that? She's like fucking committed. She's she's not, she's in charge of this whole oh, yeah. business. Yeah. And uh, like when she's doing it, she's she's fully participating. Nobody's taking advantage of her no. in this movie as an actress. Mm-mm. She's like fully committed to the bit in both of these movies. But in this one, I think she's better. Well, right. Because I think that she has a greater, she's, she has greater agency in this movie. She's... In a lot of ways, she's the protagonist of this movie, even though we start off with Jeffrey Combs being the protagonist. Right. I think Jeffrey Combs does a, a fantastic job because he does the same thing, too. He acts his ass off. He takes it all completely seriously, no matter how goofy mm-hmm. it is. Well, and over the course of the film, he loses agency as a character. Oh, yeah. Well, he gets he gets all the hair sucked off of his head by a <laughs> there was, giant worm in the basement. Yes, there's a number of things that are just really bizarre about this movie. They're yeah. fighting... There's they a purple worm in the basement. They turn on the resonator. <laughs> well, first they turn on the resonator and everybody's on board with it. So it's 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 
Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Cranston and Bubba. Mm-hmm. And they're all turned on. And all of them are very aroused by the resonator, but they manage to turn it off. Right. Right? They all t- this like weird fish are swimming in the air There's and weird everybody's fish like super in the horny. Air. Everybody's super horny and Dr. Pretorius shows up. Right. Because he is being assimilated in a way to this creature from beyond. Right. They're like, you were dead. And he's like, well, in your world, I was dead. Right. Now I've I've moved on to another plane and everything is ecstasy. It reminds me a little bit also of... Uh, uh, Hellraiser. Hellraiser in yeah, that regard. There's it, like some like perverted sex thing that has to do with pain and pleasure or some. It very you know. much does have that vibe, mostly through the like. Doctor Pretorius has a very frank vibe, right? From Hellraiser, from Hellraiser, like, right. pleasure and pain, and also gross body horror yeah. kind of thing. Drippy, skinless. Yeah, Frank. Frank was like reassembling himself, whereas yeah. uh, Doctor Pretorius is kind of. Deassembling himself. Yeah, he's turning into something like from uh, John Carpenter's thing, but very sort of gradually. Every time he shows up, he's a little bit more mutated. Yeah, he kind of. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the transformation in the fly. Yeah, a little bit like that too. I would say uh, just because you know he started out as a human being, and like the first encounter that they have with him post Resonator, he's mostly still human looking. Now, this movie did this movie come out before the thing or around the? It came out around the time of of John Carpenter's thing. I think. I mean, they, it, it, I don't think either one copied from the other. Oh no, no, absolutely there, not. There's a lot that's similar about them in terms of being a lot of practical effects and weird, gushy, gooey body horror things. Yeah, the thing came out in '82, so this is a few years after because mm-hmm. because From Beyond is '86 and mm-hmm. and Reanimator was '85, I believe, because okay. they came they were like one right after another. Yeah. So I think this is on- <laughs> so they're 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 riding on the failure of the thing, which was a huge box office flop when it first came out. Oh sure, you know, yeah. But, and now uh, I would yeah. say that most people would regard it as one of the the best horror films of all time, right? At least I right. would. Oh my God, Siskel and Ebert hated that movie. Which is it's I mean it's so funny. Well, uh, Roger Ebert hated horror movies. The the thing is, is it's it's sort of interesting to think about the shift from movies in the seventies like science fiction and horror movies in the 70s and then like sort of moving into things that were in the 80s because mm-hmm. the 80s was like the full-on like slasher times right we we started right. seeing slasher films and an older breed of movie critics hated hated that. all that stuff hated right. it right and and also sort of like gross body horror drippy you know nasty special effects sort of things because the 70s were pretty clean i would say as far as like it, there, there was films. a space for those but they were all like drive-in movies yes. and they were not considered serious movies and guys like siskel and ebert wouldn't even review no of course uh, not those movies i mean like suspiria maybe uh, well, that was more like of that. an art film, yeah. I would say, than a horror film. Yeah, and but I mean, that had the kind of outlandish gore that you you know see in later in movies. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another good example. Yeah, and ch- I think like- I think I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre was late seventies. So I would yeah. I would consider things like Halloween, which I believe was seventy eight. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was right around in there as well. I think it was I, earlier than that, but yeah, was it? Not, not too much though. I think that I feel like that's like where the shift started to happen. Yeah, I think you're right. As far as as horror movies yeah. went. And so, yeah, like seeing gross out stuff like that, I think I think a lot of people were really into it cuz it was new. It's like the new thing. Right. Nowadays like the reanimator was like over the top. Oh, right. Like gross out weirdness like way over the top. It still is. Well, I mean, there's like a point where somebody's severed head goes down on a woman in oh, reanimator. It's, it's almost to the point and then they cut it. It's like she's like he's like moving in, yeah, like ah, 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 and then we, it's like we, wait, I mean, we, we all know what's gonna happen, right, right, so. right, and yeah, and then uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs like steps in and says like, oh, I thought more of you, Doctor, so yeah, like, whoever it was, yeah, plagiarist. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I don't want to talk about the other. No, movie. no, no, it's no. I was, I just, I just thought it was interesting because we were, you know, we are thinking of these other movies, you know, and and it does, it does sort of make you think about like the shift. Because yeah, there were just certain things that happened in the seventies. Yeah, that don't happen. Well, you, in yeah, the I 80s. mean, you look at Peter Jackson's Dead Alive or Brain Dead, as it's called everywhere right. else. Sure, which is a good example. Or you look at uh, Evil Dead, 
Evil Dead 2, Evil Dead 1 was kind of like a practice for Evil Dead 2, did, which is, yeah. it's basically the same movie, except Evil Dead 2 is even more crazy over the top. Well, it's completely bizarre, and yeah, you're right, over the top. And they let, I think feel like they let Bruce Campbell off the leash a bit in Evil Dead 2, where they're like, okay, just do, do that you do the thing yeah. that you do. Well, I'm old enough that I remember these movies when they came out, and I remember seeing them as a young person, and it was like the most the craziest thing you've ever seen. Oh, sure, yeah. And you told all of your friends, you have to see this movie Evil Dead 2. It's like, you won't, just won't believe it. And everybody saw it and was like, this is, no one had ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. Now that kind of thing is sort of passe. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's not passe, but it's it's been done so much that I don't, I don't know what you could do to shock people anymore in a movie. Oh, I'm sure they'll find something. Oh, God, I hope they do. I need to be shocked <laughs> by something. So, so now so we've so we've had our first so encounter. We've teased a lot of this stuff. I, I, I imagine somebody listening to this podcast who hasn't seen this movie, and they're like, "Wait a minute, a purple worm in the basement. Wait a minute, Barbara Crampton in bondage clothes. Wait a minute, yeah, a guy with the a, a, a wet speedo falling down the stairs. Wait, you know, how? Wait. So what? okay, so wait. so as we mentioned, she takes him out of the hospital. They go to. Dr. Pretorius's house, which is kind of like a big mansion. It sort of reminds me of like historical preservation thing. And there's a yeah, lot it's of- It's a mad scientist house. It's a, a mad scientist lab, house. The lab in the attic, it, right? Yeah, the lab's in the attic. But there's also, if you if you look at some of the shots, there are a ton of like old Americana things all over the walls. There's like flags and preserved, you know, documents and things. And they're all, they all have to do with America, mm-hmm. which- I don't know if that was just they had this particular location that they used and it had a bunch of Americana in it. Well, but Stuart Gordon, you know, that's the thing. Stuart Gordon had a lot of feelings about Americana and that, American stuff. That is true. So he probably was trying to sneak something in there. Yeah, maybe. One of Stuart Gordon's plays that got him in real trouble when he was still in a drama. Well, you say he's from the theater, but he's not so much from the theater as he's from, like, the theater. He's from the Mammoth, David Mammoth-esque uh, theater. Or, yeah, even more theater of the absurd. Or like shock, very, yeah. shock theater. Yeah. It's, like, very right on the border of being Dadaist, I think, but, right. like, very much into political... Yeah, his first big production was a theater thing that he did in Wisconsin where he locked everybody in the theater, and there were plants in the audience that... They they beat and raped and tortured and, <laughs> and humiliated and stuff. And every show would end with a audience riot because <laughs> people couldn't take the theater anymore. Right. And he was like, behold, theater. Well, and I have... It's uh, like, I ma- we made people feel things in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but I will say this. Like, I understand and I, I kind of appreciate live theatrical shows that push the envelope to that point i don't think i appreciate that particular point no no it's cruelty and it's it's, it's borders on assault right you know even though the people who are 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 in the play are consenting people who come to the theater are are not not consenting to be locked in and be terrorized by something that they think is real no and there's although it really does put a neat spin on that grand guignol sort of feeling where it's like you're seeing something really really bad yeah you know the thing is is that when you go to theater when you when you participate in a live production there there is a a couple of things that you do when you enter that space one of them is you suspend your disbelief because there's only so much that they can show you on stage and you have to fill in the rest of it so if even if you're watching something as innocuous as peter pan which Eric will comment on in just a moment. Yeah. You still have the you still have the expectation that you as a theater goer are going to have to do that extra mile. And right. ex- there's a suspension of disbelief that everybody agrees on. It's like right. what you're seeing on stage is not real. It is a play and you're supposed to have feelings and 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 have sympathy and empathy with the characters. Mm-hmm. But you're not supposed to think that it's real. It's like like the ap- opposite of Brecht, where he wanted you to always know that you were in a theater and that this was a sure. fake thing. Right. This was the opposite of that. It's like we're tricking you into thinking that you were witnessing some horrible act. Right. But then, see, the exchange for that, the exchange for me dis- suspending my disbelief is that you, as the the purveyor of the story and the theater, 
are going to be a safe thing for me. That you, right. I mean, right. they, they, there might be subjects that are not safe. There might be triggers that are not safe. There may be, there may be production elements that are not safe, but that's a union thing. <laughs> Equ- <laughs> equity can handle that. But as a person in the space, you are supposed to be protected to a certain degree by yeah. those who have brought you there. When you ride a roller coaster, you don't fear for your life like you're going to die. It's a thrill because you feel like you're falling and you're twisting through space, but you know you're not going to die. When you go to a carnival, it's a little bit different. Perhaps. You know, or like those those extreme haunted houses that people sign up for these days where you act where you sign a release form and they actually abduct you and actually oh, yeah. uh, torture you and bury you alive Manor and stuff. Or whatever the hell that yeah, thing yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. But I mean, you were signing up for that. When you went into this theater, you weren't signing up for no, that. No, you weren't signing up for that. That's 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 not okay. Yeah. So he got canceled, but it was only, it was only for a little while well, until he put on a production of Peter Pan. Yes. And the Peter Pan production was based on his experience during the 1967 Democratic Convention here in Chicago, where, you know, the police were gassing the crowds and Mayor Daley was trying to run roughshod over the hippies. So he remade Peter Pan, where Peter Pan was like the head of the hippies and the yippies, and all the lost boys were all the hippies and yippies, and Captain Hook was Mayor Daley, and the pixie dust was LSD, that they all went up into the sky and, and tripped out on LSD. And, and when they were flying? They were flying, and then there were like seven naked girls on stage that they projected uh, like trippy stuff on, and they shut the play down. You know, because I, it's I like, can't imagine why that that would actually to me sounds like that's pretty good theater to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, and and he did like the production of Lysistrata. He did all kinds of crazy theater stuff before he moved well, to L.A. and got the, into movies. The thing is, is that it's it sounds like a lot of his theater is very political. Lysistrata is for those of you who are not familiar with it. It is a Greek uh, play, a comedy in which all of the women, it, because their men keep going and fighting in wars. Stop having sex with the men until they fucking figure out their shit. Right. And that's basically the play. Spike Lee made a version of that uh, movie, didn't he? I think so. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it was. I think it was supposed to take place in Chicago. Yeah, so Stuart Gordon was born in Chicago, where uh we're from. Yep. And he went to my high school, Wayne Tech High School. Go Indians. I don't know if they're the the Indians anymore. They're not anymore. They're different. Yeah. They were the Indians. That's how old I am. They used to be the Lane Tech Indians. And his father worked at a cosmetics factory that I, I think it's the same one that I worked at. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a strong... There's so, a, so you are Stuart Gordon is oh, what you're hell saying. No. <laughs> hell no. I would never have the... the first of all, I would never have the, the, the courage or the uh, drive to do some any of these things that are that provocative. And I don't have that kind of level of... Uh, creativity that that is you know resulting from this so anyhow that's that's a little bit about Stuart Gordon then he went to but then he went to Hollywood and then he directed his first movie which was a a, a reanimator and then he directed from beyond and then he wrote honey I shrunk the kids (laughs) yep the story is that he had written the script for honey I shrunk the kids and he went to Disney who's making the movie the Disney Corporation and sat down with a bunch of them, and they wanted him to direct. And he was so upset, he got a nosebleed and <laughs> left and said he would never work with the Disney people. He couldn't stand having these people talk to him and tell him what to do. Yeah. So someone else came and directed it. Was it Frank Oz or something, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, Stuart Gordon, very interesting guy. They just died a couple of years ago. But yeah. the, uh, one of the unsung heroes of kind of like bad movies or, or B-movies, horror movies. Yeah, I I. I I kind of would say like maybe more like cult movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a corman, you know. No, no. He's, he he's he reminds me of Lauder or anything like that. You he know? reminds me a little bit of like a Val Luton kind of, where it was like he made these very specific like scary movies or horror movies. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't know that Reanimator or From Beyond are really scary, but like he made these things. They were they had a very specific style and a very specific cast and. That's kind of what he's known for. I think it's weird that he wrote "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Honestly, yeah, he did a lot of other stuff too. I mean, if you, I, we could spend the whole episode doing nothing but talking about him and all the things that he's done because he was a, a real character mm-hmm. and uh, did some really interesting things with his life. But we have to go back to beyond from beyond. We have to go back from beyond. All right, so 
So everybody gets super horny when the resonator turns on, and they turn it off, and then they have dinner. Right. They have dinner, which Bubba makes, and it's like chicken and dumplings, but like like the biggest fucking dumplings I've ever seen. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. And he eats like three of them. Right. <laughs> He's like, he like portions it out. He's like, one dumpling for, for Jeffrey Combs, and one dumpling for Barbara Crampton, and all of the rest of them for me. Right. And then they eat up and then they are like, okay, so in the morning, we are going to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to, we saw what we needed to see. Right. You know, You've, you got the information that you need. This is real. This is not something he imagined because you saw it. Right. You know, so we're going to go and report back to the hospital. But, but during the middle of the night, Barbara Crampton gets up and decides she wants to turn the machine on again for a cheap thrill. Yeah. Well, right? you know, like sometimes in the middle of the night, you're like, kind of horny uh-huh. you know what i should do i should in, instead I should turn of turning on a resonator <laughs> instead of turning on a vibrator she's like i'm gonna turn on a resonator that's like it's like, a super vibrator a, it has like giant tuning forks it does going up into the air many so of like, them bzz, yeah yeah but, exactly yeah, so yeah. so <laughs> the other thing that i have to laugh about is they're all asleep she's asleep in a bedroom right jeffrey combs who's now bald because is he bald yet Oh no, he's going to be bald. He's going to be minute. bald because they got into the purple worm. The purple in the basement. worm in the basement. Okay. okay, Jeffrey Combs and Bubba are sleeping in the sex dungeon room, right? <laughs> on like benches, like weird right. sex benches. Right. Jeffrey Combs is asleep in like a t-shirt and jeans or whatever. Bubba has gotten completely stripped down to his like speedo. Yeah, it's a thong or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a speedo. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. basically like a banana hammock. And he's, you know, sleeping in the corner as well. It's just kind of like, dude, okay, all right. So she turns it back on, and of course, all the monsters come back, mm-hmm. including a more melted Dr. Pretorius. Yeah, like half of his face is melted off. And yeah. He's like, I want to kiss you, my dear. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, ugh, ooh, yeah. Very gross. And his, his head splits open into some sort of like weird monster. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. He's like going to suck her face off. A lot of yeah. tentacles and tongues. Yes. Really. Yeah. And I and I I also laugh because both of the men I think wake up because they hear the resonator, but also because you know the resonator makes you horny. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, why do I have a boner? Oh, that's right. That when they were sitting around the table, they were like, oh, this couldn't, this could, is this real? Is this the real? And he's like, my boner was real. Yes, Bubba very clearly <laughs> is like, I have, I had a boner, yeah. and I did not know why that happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's funny. And so now they're running around, uh, you know, trying to like unplug the resonator because. But they can't unplug it somehow. Like the the you know like uh, Pretorius somehow has extra powers now. He can keep the thing plugged in even though you turn it off. It's right. still running. Right. Even so they got to like go down to the basement. They're covered with slime and they but, fall down the stairs. And, and this is when we see Bubba's entire just all of it uh, because he is covered in slime and it, it's just it. <laughs> accentuated a lot of penis is it gratuitous i don't know it's no i think realistic it, i think it was just that like that they they chose to put him in that costume and he was doing what he needed to do and nobody really gave a fuck i would yeah. think that Stuart gordon probably if he could have put lots of penises in the movie he he would have he would have been like what's his face kurt yeah. russell or not kurt russell uh What's the, what's the director that always has the penises in his Oh, uh, Ken Russell. Ken Russell. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a Russell. Uh, yeah, it's, he would be like that, because, you know. Yeah, everything in a Ken Russell movie is a penis. So many penises. Remember Listomania? Oh, yes. my God. Anyhow, so they wind up down in the dungeon, and there is a, in, at the dungeon. It's not the dungeon. It's, it's the, the basement. basement. It's kind of flooded, and they want to unplug the power thing, but there is a full-on D&D purple worm in yes. the basement. A small yeah. one. Small. It's a baby purple worm. A baby purple worm, which means it's like 30 feet long and it like- Covered in slime. It's like 15 inches around or something like that. Yeah, covered in slime with a giant ugly mouth. It looks like those things from uh, Stranger Things a little bit. Yeah, and and Jeffrey Combs is like, his head gets sucked in to it. So his, his head gets sucked into the purple worm. Barbara Crampton's head gets sucked into Pretorius's weird- Maw. Maw. Yeah. And Bubba somehow unplugs things. Yeah, that's right. So now it's like everything has gone to shit. And oh, and then so like I think what happens is Jeffrey Combs gets completely consumed. All right, 
Uh, is this when all the little like styrofoam pellets attack them? I think it is. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we can we can kind of go into that, but yeah, that's what ends up doing in Bubba, unfortunately. But yeah, Jeffrey Combs gets completely absorbed into the worm, and then he's got to like fight his way out. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like birthed out of like the split open worm. It's gross. And yeah, and his head is all smooth, and and <laughs> it's got a bald cap. It's blended nicely, but I mean, it's it's way too big for a normal head. It's it a is weird bulbous. He starts having this very egghead look about him, mm-hmm. and he's very pale after that too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. Right. Uh, so Bubba has to save the day, and unfortunately, Bubba gets. Melted? Like swarmed by bees or is it like some like, sort of like little like pellets from beyond they're space bugs from beyond and actual in actual factual reality the filmmakers found these styrofoam beads which, well like would be in a pillow or something yeah, yeah like inside of a giant uh like a beanbag chair mm-hmm. yeah. and so because they, they had so much static electricity on them when they would blow them on the actors they would stick to the actors and stick to each other so it looked like the swarm of bugs was covering them. Yeah. You know, as the machine was resonating. Yeah. Um, and then so poor Bubba buys a farm then. He, yeah, he melts. Eating. Yes. They 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 ate him right to the skull. <laughs> they ate him to the skull. They he's like his head is like sticking through a board, you know, from underneath and then like there's this whole like fake corpse. <laughs> so it's like he's looking down and is like eaten away body with his little skeleton hands like oh my god i'm still alive but i'm all gone and it's 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 gross but it's like kind of silly it is a little silly and then petroleus comes back again and now he's like fully on like the thing he's like a big he's a giant penis monster now his yes. neck is like 12 feet long and his head is like a big bulbous weird head and he's got this tentacle sticking out of his forehead and all this kind of awful business mm-hmm. and is, that's when barbara crampton's got to bite that no no. Now what happens? That guy gets the guy gets kicked ass though, right? And they before they end up going back to the hospital, which is like the very end. Oh well, they get they get a fire extinguisher. That's how they turn off the machine. Finally, yes. they turn off the machine with a fire extinguisher, and um, and Pretorius leaves, and then they they end up going back to the hospital because they're both fucked up. But prior to that, we we have missed the really like famous scene in this particular oh, right, movie right which is barbara crampton feeling sexy and they're waiting for bubba to go get the car this is before he gets melted right they're waiting for him to go get the car and she's like in the sex dungeon with a sleeping jeffrey combs and she's like huh well there's this whole wardrobe full of sexy clothes i'm just gonna go put some on and she, yeah. then, so how would you describe her? Well, it's a bondage outfit of some sort, but I mean, a, it's what is it like? Like she's got like a like she's. A, it's basically it's like a corset. No, it's a bustier. Bustier, yeah, sure. So it's a leather bustier. It's got those those pyramids that uh, they use in leather jackets and and stuff like that. The, oh yeah, the steel like pyramids. Yeah. yeah, studs. And she's also got she's got some gloves, some leather gloves that she's wearing. She's got the whole you know. Uh, stockings and garter belt situation going leather on. Leather bikini, mm-hmm, yeah, bikini bottom, right? Yeah, and and she spends she boots. A- she has like sex boots on. No, I don't think they're boots. I think they're just they're like stiletto heels. Uh-huh. And then she spends a lot of time putting on red lipstick, and then it's <laughs> it's a it's a it's bit funny of- because we thought that she wasn't pretty before because she had her glasses on and her hair was up and she was wearing a eighties padded shoulder blouse which didn't fool anybody no, it's no, one no, of those no, deals no. where it's like oh wow look at this but yeah she gets she gets to look hot on on screen for a few minutes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then she goes and basically molests jeffrey combs while he's asleep uh <laughs> that's right oh my god <laughs> and it's like well okay that's... just imagine if those roles were reversed it would be like uh, oh no everyone would, yeah. everyone would be very upset with the film yeah. uh but no and it, and it is a bit of a moment of like the whole buffalo bill I'd fuck you, like mm-hmm. I'd fuck me moment, because uh-huh, like, she spends a lot of time looking at herself in the mirror and like touching things and everything. Yeah, yeah. So very much fan service for everyone. And yeah, she had a very nice figure, very pretty girl with like blue eyes, very very blue eyes, and she's very pretty. There are many tales of what happened to that leather outfit uh, because she kept it after the the movie wrapped. 
Yeah, I, I follow her on Insta. She's still around. She's got a new horror movie coming out. Oh so, yeah, she's yeah. been making movies yeah. uh, for I think the last like well, ten she years. She was like or so. super in. She was super on uh, uh, soaps back in the eighties. Yes, she was. She was on Guiding Light or something like that. She or, was on several different soaps. Yeah. I think Guiding Light was one of them. I believe Days of Our Lives was one of them. Days, and yeah. then yeah, 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 Days was one. Yeah, there was one other one that she was a regular on. Yeah, and I think she actually went back to doing soap acting later on like in the 2000s and now has started making horror films again yeah, yeah. um and she's doing a lot of stuff uh with shows that are featured on shutter which is right, the horror right. streaming service uh both eric and i very much enjoy shutter if you like horror films i would highly recommend it it's not very much money per month and they have a really well curated selection of it's better than paramount plus well <laughs> yeah i mean if you like horror movies right. and we are not sponsored. This is just our opinion that we enjoy. We, it's something that <laughs> we enjoy. Imagine we get enough of listeners that we can get uh, monetized. Wouldn't that be something? Well, I mean, I wouldn't mind a little, a little, uh, a, little spo- <laughs> a little sponsorship from like Shutter because right, we right. we definitely watch those a- pizza coupons. That'd be fine. No, not like- pizza coupons. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Anyway, so we need to get to the we need to get to the end of the movie. You got to take it home for me because now I'm 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 forgetting the details. Well, we we end up back at the hospital, and Doctor Block, who is our traditional psychiatrist, is basically like, "Yeah, everyone's crazy now, and we don't know what's going on with this guy." Because Jeffrey Combs, since his encounter with both the Purple Worm and Doctor Pretorius, has started growing a penis out of his forehead. Which retracts back into yeah, his... Like, it's like a little hole in the middle of his forehead and like this little, like this little, it's got a little skinny little dick kind of comes out. Mm-hmm. It's about like six inches long or something that waves around in the air. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's right about this time when he also completely loses control over his impulses and emotions, which results in him eating a brain out of a bucket that was like in the pathology lab. Yeah, uh, yeah, it results in him sucking the eyeballs out of several people, uh, including Doctor Block, who comes to find him eating the brain in the pathology lab and is like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Barbara Crampton's about to get involuntary ECT'd. Yeah, yeah. which if you don't know what ECT is, that's shock therapy. Yeah, uh, and it's fairly brutal looking in this movie as well. Oh yeah, it's uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest style. Yeah, and so. All of the eyeball sucking distracts them from from doing <laughs> right. th- doing we're this to push her. Push the button, and we're gonna yeah, we're gonna press and treat and give her the shock, and then and they're like, "Wait a minute, there's a there's a disturbance outside. I hear eyeballs getting sucked out." Yes, yes. So Jeffrey comes sucks the eyeball out of Doctor Block. Uh, two EMT workers that are bringing a drunk into the hospital's emergency room. The drunk is not does not get his eyeball sucked out, but is, um, you know, disturbed. Yeah. Well, the the creature didn't want an alcohol soaked brain. Well, it's he also like, you he know, had bar fall over him too. Yeah, that's true. You know, they've got standards. <laughs> I guess they do. So then Jeffrey Combs steals a a uh, ambulance and goes back to the house. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Crampton also steals a car and goes back to the house. Somewhere between stealing these cars and going to the house, Barbara Crampton gets her hands on dynamite. Oh, that's right. Where did? Yeah, we don't know where that came. We don't know. There where must that came. have been a scene somewhere that they just cut out because that makes absolutely no sense. Either that or like they just didn't care. They were just like, you know what? Do you do you really want to know the establishing shot of where she got the dynamite? I mean, I kind of did, but like. Maybe the director, maybe Stuart Gordon was just like, look, all of my shit, at the end of all of my shit, things blow up, and you don't need to know. Right. By the time you've gone through all this craziness- We've locked you in the theater. It's like, yes. We, and you're you going to watch it blow up. You have suspended all the disbelief that you could possibly have. Yes. It's like, you're going to come at us now because we don't tell you how you get the dynamite, but you're okay with a purple worm sucking the, the, you know, the, the, the hair off of Jeffrey Combs? Oddly yeah, enough, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, it would have been cool to know where she got it. So she's going to blow up the resonator. But, you know, there are people and creatures that disagree with this. Dr. Pretorius is one of them. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs, with his brain penis, is the other one. Mm-hmm. Because I guess he wants to... He's uh, he's he's horny. He's got a brain, a brain penis. Right, right. And so now Barbara Crampton is like tied up. This like She gets she's chained like, up. Yeah, she's like topless at this scene, too. 
you get to see her boobs for a little bit when uh, Jeffrey Combs is kind of like molesting her face. Mm. And that's, I think, when she bites his head dick. That is when the head dick gets bitten. Yeah. yeah. It's like blood runs down her chin. It's really gross. It is really yeah. gross. But actually, I think the grossest thing is what's going to happen next, which is she gets herself free. She's up in the lab room. Uh-huh. And to to survive the blast, because we see it you know, ticking down. All right. To survive the blast, she jumps out All of right. a second story window. And the lab blows up and is on fire. There is a small gathering of neighbors that is just out in front of, of the the mad scientist house. And Barbara Crampton lands on the ground and her fucking knee is like jutting, like the bones in Compound her leg are her just leg. jutting out everywhere in her leg. Yeah. And the movie ends with her sobbing and then starting to laugh hysterically. Right. Well, and that's because she escaped. The madness. Yes. And she escaped. She escaped. She sure did. Yes. From beyond. From beyond. This, it's a, a everybody should see this movie. And um, it's, it's good. It's, you know what? It's really well made. And it's really, it is well, really well made. It's, it's everything really, is pink. Every, it, there's so much bisexual lighting in this movie. Like, Reanimator, everything is green. In this movie, everything is pink and purple. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's pink, purple, and blue. That's the bisexual lighting. Uh-huh. That's yeah. the whole schema. Yeah. yeah. And it's very popular in modern movies, but, like, also in the 80s when they were very into using, like, super saturated gels in their mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. You got a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, uh, I, you know, I, I highly recommend this film if you haven't heard of it. And what we say sounds great to you, then you need to see it. It's pretty, it's really good. I had never seen it um, until Eric suggested it. I'm I've seen Reanimator many times, but I think in a way I I kind of like this one a little bit better. Reanimator's I think is a uh, Reanimator is so goofy that and and uh, let's all let's be honest too. There's the uh, um, effects in the first movie are pretty pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's fun. But it's kind of goofy. The effects in this movie are much, much better. Even oh. though they're not, they're not realistic, they're still as, as crazy and goofy as, as anything. But it's a much, like a higher budget and a much better, much more well-made movie. Yeah, I'd say the space worms are a little weak, but like, I think all of the practical effects are pretty good. One step for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future.